All right, hey, uh, here we are, Eric. Beyond the Pew podcast. This is number five for us. Number cinco. Yep, five cinco, and uh, we're glad to be back here. We got a little bit of a different kind of format today for this. You know, we're filling things out. We're changing things a little bit yep. as we go. It's yep. early on in the stage where we can feel whether we like the room set up or not. You know, it's kind of kind of early on, right? Indeed, indeed. And so we are um, doing things a little different today because we've we've asked people to submit yeah. questions, uh, topics they would like us to discuss. And so um, in that envelope right there that you have, uh, we have some topics uh, or says, questions. Beyond the Pew listener submitted questions. Yes. And so there's some questions. Uh, good plug, by the way, right now for us to remind people they can submit those questions. Yeah. What's the number? Um, if they want to submit those questions. What's the number? And um, I, that number is something that we should never forget. It is 330-331. It's 330-331-64. Five, three. Okay, so now, I said that. Close. I said that really slow so people could get that. <laughs> Rewind it if you need to find that. But if you have questions that you have that you'd like us to tackle or uh, topics that you want us to discuss, that's the best way to let us know what those might be. So we're going to hit some of these today that were submitted here, and um, we're just going to go. This now, just so you know, we that was a um, sealed envelope. It was, Eric, it was sealed. In the sense that we've not yet seen these or looked at these. Yeah. And so we're going to look at it for the first time with you. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Yeah. What do we got here, Eric? So, all right, let's 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 go with this question. All right, Pastor Bruce, how do you maintain a dis- disciplined quiet time? That's a good, a good question. question. That's a very Especially, good question. Especially uh, beyond the pew, right? Yeah. Yeah. How do you maintain a consistent quiet time? Yeah. Um, but let, know, let, me, let me prephrase that. As you're talking, before you explain how you keep it, walk us through what your quiet time looks like, too. Okay, so naturally, question that comes to my mind: Are we answering questions people submitted, or your questions? Well, because I kind of want the question that was submitted was how do you maintain a quiet time, and then you're wanting to add on to a question. Yeah, I want to add on to it. I want to know. How, I want to <laughs> know how your quiet time looks okay. like. I've been wondering for yeah. the last five years okay. how that looks like. Well, first of all, I apologize to those that submitted questions because apparently we're not answering your questions; we're answering Eric's <laughs> questions. Um, so, no, I would I would say. Um, this is a question that a lot of times pastors get, yeah. and this is an area that I think sometimes pastors have to um, really be cognizant of because it could be lacking if we're not careful. And so for me personally, um, when it comes to reading the Word, quiet time in the Word, um, a lot of that is driven by the different studies uh, or preaching texts or Bible studies that I'm preparing for. Uh, so for example, right now we're in a series coming up uh, on the miracles of Jesus. And so the passage for this coming Sunday um, is found in Luke chapter 8. But in preparation for that, in my quiet time in reading, I started at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke and started in Luke chapter 1. And so started reading through the Gospel of Luke, which was somewhat preparatory for the message, but at the same time, it was also me wanting to engage with the gospel of Luke in my personal time yeah. and reading through there. And then I actually have a, a notepad that I take notes as I'm reading for my own personal study where I just write some so things down. That's not a journal. A um, journal. It's, it's not a journal. It can be a journal for some. It's not, I don't call it a journal because it's not, it? it's not spiral bound or it's not anything like that. It's just note cards that so I just So let me write. ask you, do you take notes as you're writing, right? Or sorry. <laughs> Do I take notes you, as I'm writing? Yeah. Do you take notes as you're reading? Yes. And then do you make notes about things that you're getting out of the passage? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then do you write things that you want to pray for that uh, 
in, base, in, in light of what you just read. No, you're trying to fit so me a into journal. a format. No, no, it's a journal. That's not what I do. You're trying to fit it into a particular format. No, it's a journal. <laughs> you're leading questions like, and do you write down what you want to pray about? I don't write down what I want to pray about. I just pray when I want to pray. Uh-huh. But when I'm reading the passage, as I mentioned, starting in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1, as I work through the passage, I'm not necessarily looking at it strictly from the standpoint of what I want to do for preaching on Sunday. Personally, I'm looking at it, and there's some things that jump out in the text, and I'm like, ooh, that's a really good point, and I'll write it down for future reference or personal reference, and and so that's that's kind of how I engage with the Word yeah. in, in any given week, is if I'm studying already for a message, if I'm studying you know, for the men's study, a, a passage, um, I try to then kind of inundate myself in the text and read Scripture. But what happened if you're doing a series, or if you go through a week or two weeks where you're not teaching anywhere, like, what do you do then? Yeah, if if I'm not teaching anywhere and I know what the teaching is going to be on, I do something similar okay. where I'll find myself in that text, but setting context, reading up to that point in time uh, to try to engage with the Word. The other thing that I do, and I started doing this a while back, is um, I don't do this every single day, but a lot of times I'll pick whatever the proverb that matches up with what the day is and read that proverb. Proverb of the day. Yeah, proverb of the day. Um, I have started back in the book of Genesis at the beginning of months and tried to read through, you know, the book of Genesis and devote time to reading the book of Genesis uh, as I go through the month just to reread it um, and do that. But on a consistent basis, as far as my, if you want to call it a quiet time or time in the word, that is largely driven by whatever text I'm going to be preaching, Bible studies and, and reading and kind of in, in inundating myself with whatever that text is uh, on a daily basis. So how do you maintain it then? How do I maintain it? Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, it's just a matter of opening the Word every day um, and, and reading, you know, um, opening the Word on a daily basis, getting the Word of God into our hearts and our minds. And, you know, I heard for the longest time when I was in seminary, when I was in Bible college, that it doesn't count if you're a pastor and you're reading Scripture, but it's in preparation for your message. Yeah. And the only reason I feel like that is completely a false notion is... Uh, if I'm preaching something that first has not personally affected my life, and I first personally have not digested that, not strictly as a task, right? Like if I'm reading scripture, like, well, that doesn't count as Bible reading because you're doing it for preaching. If I'm prepping for a message and it's not first personally something I'm applying or interacting with in my own life, then what business do I have for teaching, teaching that? Yeah. So on, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I would say if you're a pastor and you're reading and studying scripture on a daily basis for something you are preaching or teaching— it should be that which is applied to and affecting your daily yeah. life, not just something that's looked at as a task that you're yeah. accomplishing. So yeah. for me as a pastor, and, and somebody said that's easier to maintain a quiet time as a pastor, and I would say if by quiet time we mean time daily in God's Word, yeah. then I would say they're right. It is easier at times because you're teaching and consistently in the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, but the danger for a pastor, much like the danger for someone who's not a pastor, is simply to open the Bible, and because we've read it, close it and think, I'm done for the day. Yeah. It, it needs to impact our lives. Well, that, and that's the case for me. Like, for me, one of the things that, like, from my quiet time, I do, I've been doing different things. I do the, I read the New Morning Mercies by Paul, uh, David Paul Tripp. I yeah. think that's his name, right? Paul David Tripp, yeah. Nailed it. And then uh, I go, I read what he suge- I read what he says. He's, it's like a devotion or like a short description of the day. At the body, b- very, very bottom, there's like a, it says like from further encouragement, read this passage. I typically read that passage. And then in addition to that, 
I I started doing this book that or going over this book that is called Reasons Why We Hide, and I matched the two together. I think I kind of shared this on our episode one. But what has been interesting is that it's it's through seasons. Like I feel like that works where I when I study it, I I do it, I spend the time during the day to to dedicate to learning and and put myself in the in, in the in the task and like seeing okay how God is speaking to me. But then what I've noticed is that if I do that often. It becomes stale in that it, it becomes more like a task. Yeah. And just recently, I felt that way where I felt like I was not necessarily getting much out of it. Like I would do my quiet time, I would yep. study it, and then later in the day, I would be like, "What did I just read this morning?" Yeah. And I couldn't think for the life of me. So I started doing something new, different too, which journaling. It, I, journaling. Yeah. See, journaling. I, I knew this was yeah. coming because yeah. you were trying to <laughs> back me into a corner. Yeah. Well, listen. as though what I was doing was what you were doing, which it's not. It's you're not the journaling. Same. You no, know, call it I'm English, not. call it Spanish, call it whatever language you're journaling. Listen, first of all, I have nothing against journaling, but the reality is what you're describing and trying to paint as the picture of what I'm doing is not accurate. Well, I'll tell you though. Whether it was journaling or not, for me, it has yeah. been very effective. So that's how okay. uh, it's been nice because then, like, I get excited because, you know, I remember through this throughout the day. And then the next day, I'm like, all right, like, yesterday, this is what, what, what I read. I wonder what it's going to be today. So there's that aspect of mystery of not knowing what tomorrow is going to be about, but yet recognizing this is something that I need. Yeah. No, so. that's good. And, and I think the question's a great question and one that is important. And what I would emphasize for anybody that, is maybe asking the question for themselves of how to maintain a disciplined quiet time. Um, I would, my starting point would be getting into God's word, right? Yeah. You had mentioned a couple authors and some books that you're utilizing yeah. along with your study Correct. of God's word. And, and I think that's great, but I would emphasize to people who are just getting started somehow, some way start off in God's Absolutely. word. And for some people, it's the Bible app. Like there's a yeah. verse of the day the that, that comes up on their, on their uh, screens. Great. Like start with reading those verses. Um, you know, for me personally, as someone who, like I said, is prepping and teaching, when I mentioned going back to the book of Genesis, I can't tell you how many times I've read through the book of Genesis because I'll start at the beginning of the month and just yeah. start reading, try to finish it in the month, um, in, as a supplement to my other Bible reading and study. Um, but it allows me to get familiar. And I, I've been focused on Genesis recently with that book in such a way that there are things all the time that I read and I'm like, man, I didn't see this before well, because I'm reading it again. Well, and the other interesting thing is there's the, that misconception that, like, if you're going to do a, a very good quiet time, it needs to be, like, an hour-long quiet time, too. Correct. Like, yeah. Like, it, it's interesting, too. Yeah. Like, Who sets that? Yeah. I like, don't know. That doesn't count. Like, if well, you're not, like, if you're right, not doing it in a certain... I got time right now. I got 10 minutes. And if, yeah. I, if I don't keep, keep it doing it for sure. 10 minutes, it's not going to count. So, yeah. you know, there has to be an, a recognition, too, that, like... It's not necessarily the time, but the quality that you're expending in actually diving in the Word of God. You have yes. to dive in the Word of God. At the end of the day, like that is what you know, what quiet time should be yes. about. It's a time where you separating yourself from everything and allowing God to speak through your life through His Word. Yes, and don't let other people dictate to you what you do or don't. I mean, like you're trying to dictate to me to do a journal, okay? Yeah, you do uh, journal. So, so don't let someone else try to dictate how that looks for yeah. you, but get into God's Word. Yeah. I mean, God's Word is very clear. It is that which we should be digesting yeah. and taking in, consuming regularly. And with that, I mean, we joke about this bit in the past too. Like, there you cannot make up time for things that you don't like. <laughs> it's not like you can recap on Friday sure. what you didn't read Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, yeah. right? But at the same time, though, today is a good start to start. Like, yes. the, you know, it's not like a diet where you're like, I'm going to start Monday, Monday, Monday. I'm going to wait to the month of June, then I'll start again. I'm going to wait for next year to make a year, new year resolution. Like, it is important for us to start 
during our quiet time today, yes. every day. And they have, there's a value there. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a freedom that if you do miss it, because let's be honest, you know, life can be busy. You can get caught up with things and easily you go through your day and you forget your quiet time. You know, that's never happened to me. Oh, well, I'm just know. kidding. Yeah, you're you're right. No, it's no, you're, you're right. right. You're exactly right. But the next day, you don't look back at that day and be like, all right, man, I didn't do it yesterday. So I guess I'm just going to wait till next week and restart it so I can keep the momentum. Correct. No, start it. You missed, would you miss one day? Start the next day. For sure. You know? Yeah. And again, the reason it's so valuable and important is the Bible describes the Word of God as that which is alive and active, right? Mm -hmm. Sharper than a two-edged sword. So the Bible is that which should give us instruction. We read that the Bible is the inspired or God-breathed Word of God, yeah. and so it's profitable, and so yeah. we should be in God's Word as, as followers of Christ. Yeah. So now there's a there's a question I just glimpsed to it at the very back. You were gonna read it. You got another one, don't you? Which which one? Which one? I just read the one on the back, on the top. I thought it's a good segue, but what was what was the one you had in mind? Okay, no, I was somewhat smirking because someone put on here. If you had to pick a franchise quarterback, would you pick Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? And uh, people already know where I'm gonna land on that. I Patrick mean, Mahomes? No, clearly Josh Allen. He has all the all the tools that are needed uh, to be a franchise quarterback. Patrick and yet Mahomes. He hasn't won anything. Pat, first of all, okay. First of all, Josh Allen's only been in the league for a minimum amount of years. I think he's been in the league for, I think, a total of four years. Yeah, you I call believe. that minimum? That's two, four, four years, years of but, but listen, playing sport. Four years, and the last two years, he has been the top of the top as it relates to QBR, yeah, but as no, it relates no to Super Bowl that, ring, but whatever. Who, no MVP. Who do you like in sports for NFL? I like the Yankees. No, the Yankees, the Yankees aren't an NFL team. You're a Listen, fan. Listen, I, I pick my homes over Josh Allen's right now, simply no, on the not. fact. You'd be the only one because every pro football analyst, every you know grading system, every comment, they're saying Josh but Allen I'll pick is the number jo one I'll pick him over Josh Allen because he actually has won Super Bowl. Look right? at the Josh team Allen has won Look nothing. at the team he had. What? Can you can you name who who uh, Patrick Mahomes had as as receivers, as tight end? Do you know anybody that was on the Chiefs on the offense? Yeah, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Who else? Uh, who was the tight end? You knew who the tight end was, best tight end in the league, maybe the best tight Kelsey? end. Kelsey? Yeah, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, so here right. you are as a non-football fan. Yeah, clearly. but you the, the, but you the, can but, name No, them. but the, the, the Bills had Diggs. Diggs. What's his yeah. first name? T, T, T. Diggs? Nope, nope. T. Diggs, that's not a name. Okay, who else did they have? Oh, Stephen Diggs. That's yeah, his name. Who else did they have? They had Beasley. Beasley. <laughs> that's all we need to know right there. That's all we need to know. Okay, let's move on from this because this is going to get nowhere quick. Um, what are areas in your life you see yourself struggling with legalism or have struggled with in the past? This is a great question. Ooh. What are areas in your life you see yourself struggling with legalism or have struggled in the past? This could go off the rails real quick. Yeah. Um, but take that, Eric. What are areas in your life you see struggling with legalism, or you've struggled in the past with that. You with see, legalism. I I grew up in a church in a church where, or in a culture, I should say, not the church, in a culture where uh, there's a, there was a, like a very narrow distinction between biblical truth and legalism. Okay, often like it felt like we we found the need to start putting uh, extra layers of protection to things that God already laid out as protection. So in other words, like. God sent boundaries, and we and, and it felt like the urge of us adding extra boundaries to what God yeah. had done, right? And so uh, certainly there was a lot of legalism. So like for me today, I have a hard time in not feeling legalistic on people's intention of attending church. Like I, you know, to me, 
maybe there's true or not, but I get, I can, if I'm not careful, like I don't understand, you know, or, or I can have a hard time processing why we're not in church every Sunday. What, what if, if you're able, if you can, and which, which you should, right. But there's a little bandering of legalism there. Um, I get, well, I guess, I guess the, I don't want to push back too hard, but no, I guess back. the, the question Journal. I would have for you is if you feel something is very clearly a biblical issue, is it then legalism? Because you mentioned about like, Hey, having the expectation that people were in church every Sunday. No. And that is, is that a Bible expectation? That is a Bible expectation. That is a Bible boundary. It should be happening. You know, do not forsake. So the, how does it fall into the category? So of legalism? it falls, it can fall into the category of legalism because. I can be someone that, like, let's say you, Bruce, you come to church three Sundays, but there's one Sunday that you don't come. Yeah. My immediate reaction will not be, okay, Bruce understands that he needs to be in church today. He probably most likely something happened that prevented him from coming here today. Let's say, for example, you're working and your work schedule rotates so that you cannot make it on a Sunday. Yeah. Like I understand, like you have, you may have a legitimate excuse as to why legitimate according to who? Well, according to the fact that you have to provide for your family. No, I'm saying, but legitimate in your mind. Like, why does it matter what your mind thinks if it's legitimate or not? I'm, you're not you're not catching my drift. That's what it is. No, I'm saying I'm saying if you think legalism would include going to church on Sunday. That that's where I'm asking if the Bible would say don't forsake the assembling of yourselves. Well, together. every here, but here's the thing that we gotta clarify: every legalism, or at least as you say, most of legalist legalism is based out of biblical truth that is taken beyond what it says. Okay, right? Would you disagree? Or would you I don't know if I would that? agree with that as a blanket statement, but I, I understand what you're saying. I'm not saying all; I say must. So, for example, we can be legalistic about decor, like the way that you dress. Right now, the Bible talks about. You having to that de- you know dressing in a modest way, being of a good testimony, and don't becoming a stumbling block, right? But it doesn't necessarily flat out say wear this, don't wear that. Now, as Christians, we can become legalistic in going beyond what it says and start saying, "All right, well, you're not supposed to be wearing pants. You're not supposed you own, or or skirts, or you're supposed to not be doing that or doing this." And so it become a legalistic yeah, yeah. thing. So when you take God's word and go beyond what God's word says, correct. Okay. So in light of like attendance for me is yeah. there's that aspect of, well, if you are like, I, I can get very judgmental and critical and assume the worst simply because I don't see you in church on that Sunday, instead of recognizing maybe there is a valuable reason as to why they didn't come that day. Okay. Right. Yeah. Or maybe let me assume, all right, Bruce understand that there is an aspect of value in him being in church that day. And he didn't make it this day. Okay, let me recognize that. Because let me be honest, you are not in church every single Sunday of the year. <laughs> Boy, don't get mad at me. No, I'm not. I'm I mean, just saying. You're, you're, no, I'm you're just getting saying. fired up. Um, I'm talking no, about myself. I'm Journal. I'm more so coming at it from the perspective <laughs> of there's a necessity for us to clearly define the difference between legalism and obedience to biblical truth. Yeah, and, and why I feel that's important is because there are some biblical truth things that are very clear that we as believers would say, hey, it is the expectation as a believer in Christ that you will not, for example, engage in sex outside of marriage. Yeah. That many people in the Christian community would be like, wow, that's so legalistic. That's not legalism. Not that's Bible, right? So so there's a difference between— But at the same time, and here's how it plays out. You will say— we will say the Bible is clearly clear on you should not have sex before marriage, right? Sure. 
And so then we can become legalistic and say, well, let's go even beyond that and say it is not Christian-like or it is a sin for you to hold hands with your, with your, with your girlfriend. Uh, yes, that would be the difference between legalism yeah. and biblical truth is yeah. you have going a biblical beyond. precedent, right, or biblical command, and then going above and beyond that, which isn't always necessarily a bad thing. It's not. It's not. It could be a healthy thing. It could be a, a wisdom thing. But when we begin to make that the standard for er- – our standard for ourselves becomes a standard for everyone else. And, that, and that's key. It, and that's key right there. Like when you – like what, what your standards, your boundaries – because let's be honest. Your boundaries, you may need a certain type of boundaries for your life, but those boundaries don't necessarily work the same way for sure. me. So for you to expect me to live my life under those boundaries, yes, so long as they're not biblical boundaries, you know – that's when it becomes legalistic. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think the example of the Pharisees is what we would naturally turn to. Pharisees were those that were desiring to honor God as, as it relates to their outward appearance, that they wanted to yeah. appear as though they were honoring God. So they would take the law of God and the laws of God that were provided, and then they would take that and they would build fences farther out from that so yeah. that there was not even getting close to what those those boundaries were. And that became something that they then required of everybody for yeah. holiness, right? And so in our current culture, what that looks like is individuals who, for whatever reason, you know, want them, want those boundaries that are even superseding or beyond what God's boundaries are and saying, now everybody has to follow this. Yeah. And, and that's dangerous because yeah. that becomes pharisaical. It becomes, it makes our standard God's standard when it isn't necessarily God's standard. Yeah. And so there's a lot of danger there. So, um, so with this, let me let me follow up with this, because I think this is actually very practical. You know, it's something that is beyond the pew as as far as like our modern and age culture. Yeah. You know, we're, we're now in the month of June, which June is the month of, you know, LGTB or, you know, Pride, Pride Month. Yes. And so, you know, it, we know from Scripture that, you know, what they represent, what they believe, what they say is not true. It's, it's against the Bible. It's, it's again, God's standard for us. You know, the yep. boundaries that he has set for human life, those precedes those things, right? Now, you can see if we're on our curve for a little bit, even in that area, which you know is wrong. Well, we, we, we can say it's wrong biblically. You can see even some boundaries of legalism coming out there when you have people that may say, well... I'm not going to support this business. I'm not going to go to this place because they're flat. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to do that because they're supporting this stuff. Now, if you want to make that decision for yourself, go ahead and do it. Right. It's, yes. it's, you know, that is a very thing. That's a very personal thing that you can decide, but then to go and say, well, now Bruce, because you are going to those places that I chose not to go, because you are watching the things that I chose not to watch, then I'm going to question your integrity. I'm going to question your commitment to God, and I'm going to do those things, Yes, which is when it becomes pharisaical. Yeah. So, I mean, prime example would be Target, yeah. right? Target is kind of in your face about the, the Pride Month thing. And oh, yeah. If you go in there, they have whole displays and everything like that to it. But there are some Christians who have said, hey, because Target is supportive of that uh, of Pride Month, of that community, um, and promotes it and, and does so, you know, to a heavy extent, I'm choosing no longer to provide my money or resources to target by buying anything as a Christian. I can't do that. That's fine. Right. Christians have that right. They can choose to do that. And and if their conscience before God would not allow them to do that, then I would say, don't go there. Don't do it. But 
the legalism comes into play is when their standard or their opinion becomes that which they judge all other people by. Yeah. You know, and so as a Christian, if if they chose not to go to Target and they see a fellow Christian does or fellow Christian says, I was at Target today, and their immediate reaction was like, they can't yeah. know Jesus. They can't love Jesus if they yeah. shop at Target. Yeah. It becomes it becomes a legalism issue. It, and it was hard with this too, though. Like, if you're going to go that route, I think there's an aspect of consistency. Like, if you're going to stand For that, sure. if you're going to take that stand, I'm not going to go to Target because I support this, then you're going to have to really examine all that you're doing because in today's Asian world, you know, it's tough to find a place or business or something that is yeah. not supporting those things. Now, I will say this. In all of this chaotic thing, if you go to social media, you see all this business changing their logos, their Absolutely. profile to support like every, the pride. every business in America is doing The one it. that has stayed true, though, is Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is saying Trump. But the funny thing is people who are like – and again, I'm not faulting anybody who wants yeah. to make those decisions. Yeah. But to your point – it is interesting, and this is why a lot of times Christians are seen as hypocrites or they're, they're said they're inconsistent, is people, the same people who might complain, like, I don't shop at Target because it's the reason they're holding a Starbucks cup, yeah. right? And Starbucks is just as pro. Yeah. I saw, you know, so many businesses, to your point, like BP, uh, British Petroleum, the gas station, yeah. you know, has changed their, their image for Pride Month. All to sport that. pages. Uh, sports, every, every basically, you know, MLB, every NBA. sports agency has done that. BMW has done that. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different businesses. And so to be consistent, but not right? No, Chick-fil-A has not. That's good. <laughs> well, um, the question though was what areas in your life do you see yourself struggling with legalism and have struggled in the past? And, and I'll just share a couple areas. When I was younger, when I was, you know, um, as a, as a newer Christian and not having a really a, a deep church background because uh, I previously, uh, had not known Christ until I was entering my teenage years, um, you know, the areas of having a drink of alcohol, for example, and I'm not saying or promoting yeah. alcohol. That's an area, though, where the Bible specifically says, do not be drunk with wine, right? Yeah. Uh, do not be drunk. Ephesians 5 talks about don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Maybe um, that should be another podcast. Yeah. Should, I mean, that would should be, a Christian. Should a Christian drink? Drink or not. Yeah, I mean, so, so that's your an area. So that number was yeah, a number? That, yeah, <laughs> rewind the video for the number. But that would be an area where for yeah. the longest time, like I was under the impression, hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, the Bible forbids you from having a drink. Now, for some people, that, that would be absolutely true. They should not, because of their conscience before God, have a drink. But the Bible specifically says don't be drunk, right, yeah. with wine, in which is dissipation, the way it puts it. And that, it's that which is unruly, that which is completely... Um, it controls you, right, and it affects everything you're doing. So very clearly, that that's clear from God's word. Um, the same would be true. Something you mentioned, you know, that if you're not married, you shouldn't have any kind of physical touch with with someone until you're married, as it relates to holding hands, yeah. um, you know, giving a hug to, giving a kiss to. Which my daughters aren't, you know, that's for them. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but Bible speaking, thirty-five years old, biblically speaking, living at home. You know, we're <laughs> biblically speaking, we're called not to seek to arouse love before yeah. it's appropriate time. And we're told not to lust after, you know, someone. And we're told not to engage in in sexual activity with someone prior to marriage. But where does that extend to? And for each individual person, their conscience before God, that might look differently. Movie theaters was something that, believe it or not, you know, when I was early growing up in the church I was in, people thought it would be a sin to go to a movie theater. Playing cards, regular cards. Playing cards, because that was something that people use for gambling. You should not use playing cards and anything. So there are plenty of examples. So I got two questions for you in your experience, Bruce. One, how then, how do you protect yourself from crossing over? Because there's a correlation between 
biblical truth and having personal discernment or personal yep. wisdom as far as your own walk of life, right? Yeah. Things that you need to rec recognize about yourself that if you make these boundaries will protect you from falling into X, Y, or C sin, yeah. right? But how do you protect yourself from crossing that line into, into uh, legalism? And then the other question is, how do, you, how do you recognize that the standards that you have right now, what you're believing right now, or that you as a Christian are behaving as a legalistic? Yeah. Again, I apologize to people who submitted questions because yeah, Eric no, has but, more questions yeah, than well, you do. I just, but you know. uh, I would just say for me personally, I, I think of – and I just read this um, in my journaling quiet time uh, this, this week um, <laughs> where Jesus is reminding his followers. He says, hey, listen, be careful to acknowledge the, the beam in your own eye before looking at or trying to remove the speck in your brother's eye. Yeah. And so for me personally, there's a – necessity consistently to be examining my own heart, my own self before the Lord, before I would be so concerned about what everybody else is doing. And so the way we protect that, I think, is, you know, not violating our conscience before God personally, but then also recognizing that my conscience before God, what God allows for me or is permissible for me or that I am uh, free to participate in may not be the same for other believers. Yeah. Uh, Paul referenced this when he said, anything that's not done in faith, it is sin. And Paul was referencing this in the context of eating meat, sacrifice to idols, yeah. and drinking. And he said, hey, there are some who cannot do that. And they shouldn't do that. For others, there's freedom to do that. And so I feel like it's, it's again, the necessity for me is to first examine my own heart, my own conscience before yeah. God, um, asking God to search me and know me, and then being able to seek to be a help, a care for brothers and sisters in Christ. But the tendency, I think, a lot of times with believers when it comes to legalism is to focus entirely on the issues or problems of others and disregard what issues or problems are within our own lives. Yeah. And so for me, it, it's a necessity to do that. Yeah. It's so. like this urge to to care to to protect the other person more than you're protecting yourself yeah. or to to like comment on someone else more than you need to comment on yourself well absolutely because if you do that it, it makes you look not so bad right yeah, yeah. if i can focus on all of the shortcomings and failures of others it makes mine look smaller it's like you don't recognize that you're fault you fall short of the glory of god For sure. if you are looking at someone else that yeah. it's in your eyes falling even shorter than you of the glory of God. Yeah, and yeah. and this this plays into our daily living, right? This is where the Word of God tells us, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, yeah. right? Giving thanks, giving glory to God in everything that you're doing. And so this is something that not only hits us in the church, yeah. right? In the church building with the body of Christ, but something goes beyond that, yeah. right? Outside to our daily living, beyond the pew. Beyond the pew, how are we glorifying and living for Jesus? And, 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 and going back to the first question, it is important for us to recognize yep. that we don't do our quiet time. We don't study the Word of God for ammunition purposes. Sure, it's not just for us to get okay. I'm going to read this, so then I can tell this person this and this person that. Yes, we read the Bible, we study the Bible, so that God will work in our life, our life first. Yes, and as He's working in our life, then. God can use our testimony, our, you know, service, whatever, so that other people make him closer to him. But not for ammunition. We do it for our own self. Absolutely. And if I could point out two, I think, two huge problems when it comes to quiet time and also when it comes to the, the, the hearing of the Word of God that I think Christians are a lot of times very guilty of. And if you're listening to this and, and this is you, you're probably going to, you know, think like, yep, I've done that. 
it is a serious problem if when I'm reading God's Word in my quiet time or I'm reading God's Word for myself, that as I'm reading it and I read something that the Word of God is challenging on, the first thought is, oh, so-and-so needs to hear that. Or, like... or Yeah, or when I'm, when I'm sitting in a, in a message yeah. and the pastor is preaching and he makes ooh. a point and I'm like, ooh, John needs to hear that. Like, and as a parent, you yep. feel that even more because Absolutely. you're like, oh, my son needs to hear where he's at, like, yes. where he's sitting. Like, is he and you're looking to... around, yeah, like, did you hear what somebody? he said? Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> I feel like that's the tendency. You go like this, too. You get the <laughs> yes, elbows. Yes, my, my wife. <laughs> my wife, yeah. So I'm like, are you listening to what he said? Do you it's hear a, Pastor Bush talk about how the, you know. It's going to go off the rails. It, it's very clear to me for many Christians, though, and I think most people watching this probably are nodding their heads like, yeah, yeah. I've done that. Because our tendency is naturally to think about the problem or issue that other people have and not take a hard look as to yeah. what is God saying directly to me. And, and how does this apply directly to my life? And so yeah. kind of bringing things full circle when it comes to the quiet time issue, when it comes to the legalism issue, and we didn't yeah. plan this this way, but they go hand in hand. Yeah. It's a dangerous thing if the only thought in our mind when we're approaching God's word is how this applies to other people yeah. and not ourselves. And when it comes to the legalism issue, if we're so focused on what other people are doing or not doing rather than on what God wants us yeah. to do. And, and that is a very important, I think, point because... Yeah it becomes very easy to be judgmental as a for follower sure. of Christ and think about what everybody else needs to do. Yeah, for sure. So, Absolutely. Um, now, Bruce, is, yeah. uh, one, one final question. Celtics or Warriors? Yeah, um, I am I'm of the opinion, honestly, and first of all, I don't, I'm not rooting for the Warriors or the Celtics <laughs> because I, I just don't care for either um, mm. franchise right now. <laughs> um, but I will tell you this, in my humble opinion, I believe as long as everybody stays healthy, if they all play, I think the Celtics will beat the Warriors. Really? And uh, I think it's going to go seven games. Um, I think the Warriors um, will, you know, hold serve at home. They'll win at home the first two. I think the Celtics uh, will will win one at home. I think the Warriors may even go up 3-1, and then the Celtics take really? the Really? Yeah, I, I wow. think it could happen. But I think it's going to be Celtics in seven if everybody stays it's healthy. healthy, if That's they cute. stay healthy. Uh, right. I don't really care much about basketball, but I'll tell you, though, in a small country of the Dominican Republic, we have a first person ever to make it to the NBA Finals, which is Al Hofer. Oh, Al yeah, Hofer. It's okay. not your typical Spanish last yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. But uh, first person ever to make it in the uh, Finals. So I obviously rooting, rooting for the for Celtics. Cel See, I, yeah. I can't say I'm really rooting for them, but I would prefer the Celtics to win over yeah, the Warriors. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you can get past but. Steph Curry. Like, that guy, he makes three points from everywhere, just like me on Tuesdays. Yeah, but Steph Curry's not been good in the finals. <laughs> just like me on Tuesdays. Yeah, the, I don't know that I've ever seen you make a three in a game, uh, ever. Yeah, that's but, not the point of the podcast. Listen, anyway, guys. <laughs> listen, I just got to say one thing, too. Steph Curry, and I'm not knocking Steph Curry, but the guy's won, I forget how many championships. Enough. Three, four? Yeah. But he's never been finals MVP because he doesn't, I don't want to make a blanket statement, but he hasn't proven to be so clutch in the finals. The most essential player. So yes, yeah. because I mean, Andre Iguodala won the one year with yeah. the with the Celtics. Kevin Durant, uh, Kevin Durant won. So yeah. I I don't know what to expect coming yeah. into this. It should but be interesting. We'll see. Be but anyways, yeah. Bruce, this has been fun. This yeah. has been fun. Uh, we didn't hit all these questions. Yeah. We'll so we'll we'll hit some more of these. If you have questions, you can submit them to the number. Rewind it. You'll find yeah. a number. Um, we'll be we'll in tackle, the description. We'll tackle more of them. Yeah. Uh, from Absolutely. There. Well, so. it was great, Bruce. What is our tagline question? Yeah, so we ask you every week, we'll ask you again, what is your life like beyond the pew? Uh, we hope it's glorifying to Christ, and uh, we'll Amen. see you next week. We'll see you.